Hello and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm John Tesh, joined by co-host and wife, Connie Selican, of course, Gib Gerard. I just thought I'd throw the wife thing in there just so Thank everybody you. could figure Thank that you. out. You know, We're receiving uh, some terrific response from the interview that we did with uh, Connie's new best friend, Dr. Stephen Gundry. And if you haven't heard that, it's the episode before this one. It has changed the way we are all eating. We are Big all time. on the ketogenic diet. Which is crazy. Um, which means, uh, I mean, you should look it up. It's pretty, I've, I've never had more energy in my life. I'm doing all the cooking. Yeah, thank you. But that's God. not new. You do always do all the cooking. Well, and the other thing is, if you weren't doing all the cooking, we wouldn't be able to do this. Yeah. It's, it's really... hard to do it going out. I mean, we've yeah. done it. We, we've gone out, but we're, it's our problem. We haven't figured out how to do that. Do we we drive the servers crazy. but <laughs> Just but, get a uh, salad with olive oil. That's yeah. all you get. No, salads come with all kinds of different things now, and you have to say, we hold this and hold all that. All right, I started a fight. Anyway, I, you have to listen to this episode, because the, the Gundry episode, because it's, it's really great. Um, and today we're, we're doing something that I think is going to be a, a, a series. It's a, an intelligent healing episode. We're going to call it Intelligent Healing Part 1 or Volume 1, whichever, whichever way you want to do it, Gib. Um, we're, gonna, we're going to um, have a discussion of topics, but we're also going to, to feature some of the clips of interviews that Connie has done on the Intelligence for Your Health broadcast. If you haven't heard yeah. that broadcast, it's quite, quite amazing, intelligenceforyourhealth.com. Yeah. So um, these are, this is sort of a, um, it's sort of a, the, the titans of healing, basically. Yeah. Yeah. We're, it's like a jukebox, but instead of playing uh, songs from you know, Billy Joel, it's going to play. It's going to play these amazing research doctors and what they know about how you can heal yourself. So continue to to listen to this podcast, and you will be healed by the or you, you'll change something. We guarantee because these guys are pretty amazing, and we want to start off with um, one Connie, of my favorites. One of your favorites, yeah, yeah Dan Butner, and he wrote the book The Blue Zones mm-hmm. and the, the lessons from people who um, have the longest lives. The longevity is the longest in these particular places, places like Okinawa, Japan, and uh, Sardinia. Italy and Loma Linda, California. Yeah, that places. one that one surprised me. Yeah, yeah, surprised a lot uh, of people. Well, that's because Seventh Day Adventists uh-huh. um, live there, and they're they're the key to that place. So uh, Loma Linda. So, so these are places where people live an exceptionally long time, like statistical outliers. That's what a blue zone is, right? It's a it's a place where people are more than likely to live over a hundred. And 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 the reason so it they became take a, what's common and all right. Yeah. And the reason it became a blue zone. So Dan Dan Butner with his book, which is tre- tremendous. I've read a couple of times. Um, he worked with PBS, right? And so they went through and they were trying to find all these people. How, why are these people living 115? Why did you play? play but just, no, 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 but just listen, because I know you always want to cut the chase. <laughs> it's important for you to know why. why what, do, you, do you two know, smarty pants, you know why it's called the Blue Zones? Because they got a lot of blue hair? Yeah, see, they don't know. <laughs> they don't know. Thank you, everybody at home and in your cars. It's because he used a, they used a blue marker to circle those areas and it oh, became very scientific not really is it? <laughs> with, without further ado i'm gonna make you happy connie here's our, here's part of uh, connie's conversation with uh, with dan butner well connie the world's longest lived people tend to eat a plant-based diet that doesn't mean they don't eat meat they just eat uh an amount equivalent to the size of a deck of card about twice a week wow. uh they tend to eat a lot of beans we know that people eat about two ounces or a handful of nuts four times a week uh, live two to three years longer than people who don't. Uh, they tend to have a strong sense of purpose, and this is something we often don't see when we talk about longevity. But people who wake up in the morning and know what their life meaning is live about seven years longer than people who don't. Also, simple things like taking a nap. 
uh, taking a nap five times a week I equates like to about a yeah. 35% lower chance of cardiovascular disease. So a lot of things that you haven't heard about because there's nothing to sell you, but collectively they can add up to a dozen years of life expectancy. That's pretty amazing. And what he attributed to the Seventh-day Adventist and Loma Linda is the sense of community, right. the mm-hmm. sense of purpose and community. Right. And we talked many times on both our radio shows about uh, about purpose. And, and so Connie went on to, um, to, to have him uh, go a little deeper uh, on uh, on his on what he found his data on purpose. Purpose adds to your life expectancy because uh, number one, you're more likely to be engaged to keep your uh, brain engaged with the world. If you don't use your brain, you you lose it. People who wake up with a sense of purpose are more likely to do exercise. They're more likely to take their medicines. They're more likely to socialize. And there may be some psychosomatic characteristic that we can't put our finger finger on, but we just know the people who can answer the question, why I wake up in the morning, mm, clearly, yeah. that group of people, on average, live seven years longer than people who wow. wake up and don't know what the first thing they're going to do in the morning is or what their life purpose is. That's a big number, that, seven years. Yeah, but that's it, like the doctor that that, um, that works until he's 90, retires, and then dies the, a yep, week later. Yep, right, that's, yep. that's, that's what thing. I was going to say, that there is no place in the Bible, I don't believe, where it talks about retiring. Yeah, and it's happened so many times where people retire and they have no purpose and they wither away and yeah, die yeah and that's <laughs> wither I have, I have an image of that now yeah, of me I withering i have a portrait in my attic that withers yeah so but this this also this always reminds me whenever I, i'd whenever, rather have a portrait in the basement whenever i hear uh uh my job is to keep this on track whenever whenever i hear uh dr butner read about him talking talking about purpose i'm reminded of probably i think it's the most translated it may, other than the Bible, it's the most translated book in history. It's right up there in the top three. Is Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life, mm-hmm. and the reason that became so so popular was because it was really it was really a um, a roadmap for finding your purpose in, uh, in in life. And and for a lot of people in your home country, uh, Con uh, Italy, of course, it's the the reason people live so long is because there a lot of times when they get like in their sixties or seventies or eighties, their purpose is to get every they have to get up every morning and they have to till the garden weed the garden Absolutely. They, they have the garden so not only do they eat those vegetables like dan just said but they also they, they if they don't get up and and take care of it that's their purpose and they're it's it's going to wither and die it's my father's homeland, not my homeland. Okay, so you were waiting my that homeland, whole time. That's all you could think about. Is the Bronx? So, okay, so but the, the the reality is that that's really true. So I experience this every week in my own life, Monday through Friday. I am up at a quarter to five every single day because if I want to get a workout in, I've got to do it before my kids are up. So I have to be at the gym by five five thirty. Otherwise, I don't get to work out for that day. On the weekends, I can sleep in a little bit and work out a little bit later because it's the weekend. I don't have to get the kids ready for school. I almost never get up on the weekends because I don't have that urgency driving me in the morning. That, to me, is... is, is Fuel for, for you Well, it's, it, it's this concept played out in my life in, in micro, right? This idea that if I get out of bed in the morning, because um, I, I have to get out of bed and do this thing... I'm much more likely to get out of bed. I'm much more likely to be active because I have that thing. I got to get this done before my kids have to get ready for school right. every day. That is like I've got to go to work. That is like I've got to till the garden because if I don't have that, which I don't have on Saturdays, I don't get up. But we're not talking about your purpose in life. What is your purpose in life? Well, my to purpose get in- his workout in before the kids I get mean, up. I mean, yeah. 
That's, that's it. Well, no, I mean that's not it. But that's, make up something. That well, no, I want to, but I, I really want. That's my that's my micro version. My purpose in life is to make sure that my kids don't die until they're eighteen and old enough to pay for my medical care. <laughs> that's a yeah. That's a it's good. A, that's a purpose. It's a it's a fixed achievable goal. By the way, if you decide that you want to work out twenty four seven and not parent your kids, Connie's happy to do it. <laughs> I like parenting my kids. I just like to get the work out. No, of the no, no, I wasn't first. implying that. You know, never mind. Okay, let's okay. move on well, to my the, other favorite this guest. Is, this is the healing podcast. Let's yes. heal our heroes. Heal yes, ourselves. Yes, my other favorite uh, guest was clinical psychologist and professor of psychology Romani Dervasala. Mm, love her. Yeah, mm-hmm. she wrote the book. You are why you eat. It's very interesting. She says knowing why we're eating is more important than what we're eating right and she i asked her to explain that on my show and i think we have a, a soundbite we just happen to have one please the play main it reasons we eat more than we intend to eat typically are emotional reasons and i often argue that all the extra calories we eat that put the extra weight on us are always emotional calories because we're no longer listening to our bodies now one acronym i often use with my clients which really helps them is the word flab I say take a moment, and if you're not really hungry and you find yourself reaching for food, ask yourself if you're F, frustrated, L, lonely, A, angry, (laughs) or B, bored, F, L, A, B, flab. Those are the main reasons people often reach for food and are triggered to eat when they're not really hungry. At those times, you're asking food to do something it can't really do. Obviously, a cookie is not going to make you feel less lonely, or maybe it will for a moment, but not in the long term. And when we start using food for something it's not designed to do, that's a great example of when emotions end up becoming a trigger for eating. But over time, if every time we feel sad or frustrated or angry, we reach for food, that's automatically going to be what we do whenever we're faced with those emotions. I love her because she's a psychologist who who studies food, and I think we can all agree that the food is the number one drug in the world. Oh yeah, well, it's, it's the, the most, one the most drug, powerful. Yeah, the one drug that you cannot completely abstain from. Yeah, you go. Right. And deal with your addiction. You can deal with you know addictions to cigarettes and drugs and alcohol by completely abstaining. Right. But with food, you have to find the balance. And just like she said, that food, that chocolate cookie. <sighs> Becomes your friend. It later. fixes to, to that be moment. Fair, it fixes. It fixes it. a lot of problems in the moment. One of the great not to make everything about this because we're eating on the ketogenic diet. Google it. Listen to our other podcast with uh, with Gundry about it. But it actually helps curb some of those food cravings yeah. that you have. Yeah. Definitely. And, and for me, cookies are a big thing for me. Crackers are a big thing for me. Snack food is a big deal. And for me, it's bored. Bored is one of my big triggers. I'm bored. Yeah, I should get. A, I should get a little bite to eat. It's it's how I think. What is it? What is it, Con? That um, uh, it was. I think it was uh, Betty Ford said. Uh, you know, we started the Betty Ford Center, of course, for for uh, uh, alcoholics um, for addiction. And she said, if you're if you're uh, if if you're hungry, eat something. If you're uh, if you're if you're tired, tired go, go to sleep. Go, go to sleep. But this is very similar. Frustrated, lonely, angry, or bored. But I I mean. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll ask myself those questions, but I'm likely still going to eat the chocolate. <laughs> right. I know what it is. Absolutely, that's how powerful. But that Gib is. mentioned something, um, you know, about this this new way of eating uh, has taken away a lot yeah. of the cravings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we recently were talking about it, and I said to him, I said, you know, I really feel like my 
uh, carb addiction has been uh, yep. taken away. Yeah. Uh, I don't feel like I am as addicted to carbs. And you brought up a good point. You said, I'm not living in a house with three children who are eating carbs yeah. all day I, long in front of you. I made lunch for my girls. for, uh, for I made it last night for their lunch today, and I, I, I toasted the bread for their sandwiches. And I honestly was ready to tear my own eyes out. I wanted to eat it so badly. Yeah, yeah. And that was that was more of like I really listening to my body because my body is like, oh, you need carbs right now. Um, but the but I would I'm the kind of person that would then take that bread, make some toast, and sit there and eat a whole loaf of bread worth of, bread worth of toast while binging on Netflix. And by Absolutely. the by, by the way, one of the one of the big reasons we got started with this is that uh, Connie was helping me design with Dr. Gundry. Helping me design a ketogenic uh, diet with with some with you know cancer overlay, so there there are less things that I can eat than these guys do, uh, which is basically just sort of taking the glucose out of your body and your body's burning um, ketones instead. And it's um, it's gosh, the three of us have you know so much energy. This this podcast is going uh, is going going gonna go long. And, and Connie, the other thing that your pal Dervasila talks about a lot is how is how terrible the clean plate club is yeah, for, well, for everybody. Gibbs, you, you have to be careful of I this. I know. <laughs> well, we, we try to say, you you tell us when you're done eating, but you can't get up until you're done Talk, eating. Talking about your kids. Well, talking about my kids. Talking about the kids and, well, and talking about the clean plate let's, problem. Let's hear what Javas has to say about, and, the, right. about the clean plate problem. Right, and then right. we'll talk about it on the other side. To me, the clean plate club is a disaster. One thing I was noticing was that many people blindly clean their plates because it was one of the first lessons they learned from their parents. And kids are pretty much hardwired to want to please mom and dad. So as a result, the Clean Plate Club was exactly where we, most of us, learned how to deny our sense of being full, deny our food preferences, deny all the things about listening to ourselves at the table, blindly eat, um, and then be made to feel guilty about it. So the childhood dinner table often became a place where we learned a lot of our lessons about guilt, about pleasing other people, and about eating blindly. My bigger concern then becomes that those clean plate lessons jump the rails into other areas of our life. For example, if you don't even have the chops to say, you know what, I'm done with that plate of food, half of that was more than enough, and be able to push that away without feeling guilty that you have to finish it, I bet there's a lot of people out there who stay in marriages that are broken or jobs that are broken or any variety of situations in their life because it's almost like a a full plate or a half-full plate. They don't feel like they have a right to push it away until they finish everything on their plate and live blindly, just like they eat blindly. Gosh, I love I love her, and she's not. It's, it's not like it's it's a nutritionist saying don't eat this, don't eat that. She's hacking our brains and getting inside why we're eating. The trigger for me that she said was pleasing everyone. You know mm-hmm. how when yeah. your kid has a clean plate, you say, "Good boy, that mm-hmm. was such a great job." I like what you do in your home. I've seen you do thank it with you. your kids. I don't even know what it's going to be, but thank you. <laughs> well, is you know, um, you just set the boundaries about when to- uh, if you're going to leave the table, then that's the end of food tonight. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be another service, you know, yeah. another serving uh, later on. Yeah, in we the have evening. one sitting <laughs> at our home restaurant. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> <laughs> right, and um, and they make their choice of whether they want right. to finish it or not. Well, take, and the if picture. there's going to be a treat. That night, yeah, you don't have yeah, treats every yeah, night. You don't have dessert no, every night. But if there's going to be a treat, if they're not eating the good stuff, they don't get to paint, uh, paint the picture of what it was like when you were you were growing up. Me, oh, you know, um, I was a slow eater, a very slow eater, and so everyone left me at the table because I had to finish. And that's why and if been, I didn't finish, 
it had to be put in a box and sent to countries where children <laughs> right. didn't have food. Yeah. I never saw the box. I no, don't know how it no. going to happen. How are those kids doing? How yeah, it was going to yeah. happen. But right. um, I was sitting at the table. Dishes were done. My mm-hmm. siblings were doing their homework. Uh, well, one of them was doing their homework, and the other one wasn't. But I... The other one was doing <laughs> drugs. <laughs> I was always a the episode. last one at the table. I felt so lonely. But, but listen, I'm going to tell you something, and you know this to be true too, too Gip, all the pieces we do on the show. That's why you've been the same weight. That's why you've been thin, right, fit, your whole life because we always talk about chewing your food slowly because it takes a while for the food that's in your stomach to send the message to your brain that you're full. full. So we always overeat, and that's what happens with the Clean Play Club. It is. Yeah, yeah so I think so. So the fix, I guess, the fix is what you give. You give your kids small portions. Let them serve and, themselves. I've and, seen. I've seen that too. Let them serve mm-hmm. themselves. And let them decide when they're done with food, and and uh, but try to help them learn how to not waste food. That's right. Our, that's right. And, and let's also talk about adults too, because we've seen this. Uh, we we've seen uh, um, Vasila, Doctor Devasla has also said things like, you know, our plate size has has grown. You know, your plate, the plates that we eat on today, Connie, in this yeah. house, are much bigger than the plates that you had when you were a kid. That's right. So yeah. if you're going to fill up your plate, you'll eat what's on the plate. You have to take smaller plates. Well, one of the, the hacks that we talked about also is to use a salad plate instead right. of a yeah. full dinner plate. I do that. Especially at a buffet. Well, Especially to, at a buffet. And going back to Butner, you know, the, the, these people that live a long time, they eat uh, two decks of cards worth of meat right. yeah. twice that's a it. week. Twice yeah. a week. That's crazy. I mean, that's, that's a tiny amount of meat. Yeah. That, you know, you can't, yeah, get, you can't even get a filet mignon that small. I mean, that's pretty house. much the diet I'm on now, but, not, but no, I mean, that's very, very, little, very little protein. Now, you know, one of the things, if you, if you folks uh, listen to our, our shows, um, one of the things you know uh, is that uh, a lack of sleep causes uh, an amazing amount of uh, craving for, for carbs. And one of my, another one of my favorite guests that's uh, on Connie's show frequently is the, is the sleep doctor, Michael Bruce. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you want to talk about drugs, sleep <laughs> is my drug. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, let's talk about drugs. <laughs> I, I do not function well without a good night's sleep. But he, he's interesting. His latest book was The Power of When. And he talks about having a routine and... You know, when we do things like, you know, get up in the morning, have that water by your side and take a drink of water, but take a drink of water in the daylight where you are exposed to the daylight. And he talks about, uh, you know, uh, controlling and stopping and knowing the melatonin production. I mean, he he approaches from a scientific perspective, but he also gives some really good, useful tips. Let's hear what he has to say. Here's here's Dr. Bruce on uh, morning routines. Most people don't know, but you breathe out approximately one liter of water um, throughout an evening. And so you wake up actually dehydrated. This is one of the reasons why people's lips are chapped um, in the morning. The worst thing you could do, by the way, is drink a cup of coffee as the first liquid that goes into your system. Because remember, caffeine is a diuretic, and it can make you um, actually lose more water. So by having a bottle of water by your bedside table and drinking, you know, a good bit of it right when you wake up in the morning, first of all, you rehydrate yourself. Second of all, if you do it while standing in front of your window, that actually helps turn off the melatonin mm. faucet. Right, so that's for people said, like yeah. me who are more night people, um, our melatonin faucet is still going strong at 6.30 in the morning. And we don't really want to get up. But of course, social schedules and things like that might make us have to get up. So by getting that sunlight, it helps turn off that melatonin. And while that's not the only thing that makes you fall asleep, it, it is kind of the key that starts the engine for yeah. sleep. So that's actually a part of my routine. I wake up before the sun gets up. And, you know, I, I know we're going to talk a lot about my habits right now. But um, I wake up so early to get to the gym before the kids wake up. There is no sunlight for another couple of hours. So I do. I chug the water. As soon as I get out of bed, 
I chug a bunch of water. It's too early to make coffee. I don't want a coffee before I go to the gym. So I chug all this water and it wakes me up invariably. As long as I'm standing straight up with the lights on in the bathroom and I chug, I chug my glass of water. I thought you would have a bigger reaction to not having coffee be the first beverage you drink. Yeah, me too. Because I, I stopped doing it a long Ooh. time ago. I, water is, without a doubt, the first, the first beverage I drink. Then I have my pre-workout stack, which is a whole bunch of different uh, stimulants that get me ready to work out. <laughs> so <laughs> so I'm, not like, I'm not coming from a moral high ground here. I'm just saying coffee happens after the workout. I like another thing um, he says, because you and I, John, are always having this... Uh, uh, bickering about my habits at night. By That's having, a nice way to put it. <laughs> about having the TV on. I like to fall asleep to the TV, and you keep pointing out all these experts who talk about electronic curfews. And Why do you does- say experts as if they are so-called experts? <laughs> 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 yeah, but you know what? It's, it's, I'm keeping uh, Jeff Bezos and Amazon in business because I've ordered every... I, I, I have maybe five or six different uh, nightshade things. What are, they, what are those right, things? Right. Eye masks. Eye, eye masks. We've got our, our bedroom down to like 64 degrees. And uh, I've got these special, I, I went to the hearing uh, command post here in town and I had my ears, had wax poured into my ears. And I had special ear molds made that, that reduced the TV sound by 35%. Mm. So Connie, and then-, and then No, uh, no, you have me wearing headphones and you have- Well, the, yeah, well, I tried to- have, sorry, The set, TV set is yeah, now yeah. set up on headphones. Yeah, so because he you-, you yeah, the, the But news. Michael Bruce, he does talk yeah, about yeah, electronic yeah, curfews, yeah, but- yeah. Listen, the one thing he says right, that he doesn't he agree with the other experts is I can have my TV. Let's listen, hear. listen, yeah, listen. Oh, I hope he doesn't listen. say he doesn't say that. But 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 before we play this this uh, this track, I also have to to mention that my wife can watch women killing their husbands on Dateline and go good night, honey. And I'm like, <laughs> here's Doctor Bruce on gadgets at night. Maybe not all electronics. As an example, you know, I fall asleep every night with the television on, ah. um, and that does have a level of blue light, but it's so far across the room. Oh, number see? one, Man. and number two, um, I'm not usually watching the TV. I'm usually more listening to the TV. So I'm probably the only sleep doctor in the universe that says it's okay to fall asleep with the TV. Yeah, you are. Um, Just turn the brightness level down. And then with the devices, um, they now have all kinds of different kind of cool things. On my laptop, I have something called Flux, F-L-U-X. Yep, that's great. uh, That's a free downloadable piece of software. Um, uh, I think iPhone now has Night Shift. Android's got something for it as well. So there's lots of software fixes, if you will, for that blue light exposure. But there's also a level of engagement, right? So if I'm playing my best round of Candy Crush, uh, you know, at 11:30 at night, I'm not probably going to fall asleep too easily. So trying to find things that are a little bit more boring um, it can really be a better situation. Oh, good stuff! Candy that, Crush yeah, is this 2004? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> so, but to his point, you can't watch the Dateline. How do you go to sleep right after the engaging Dateline? That's like your favorite can, thing. I'm telling you, she can do it. It knocks her out. But but I mean, her husband can't do it because you're living right? in fear. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe it's all the news. Come on, stories be like, honest. What's the last series that I've been watching? Where we go as we go to bed. It's not been Dateline. You like to stay up and watch Dateline. I watch. Well, Finding we've been watching Jesus. I we've been watching Finding Jesus. Jesus. We've been watching Andrew Womack, who is yeah. this great, uh, this great um, uh, evangelist. I guess we would call him not a pastor, but an evangelist. Um, yeah, and, and that's a that's a great way to. go. I can't fall asleep watching Andrew. Right. Uh, I fall asleep watching. I, here's the thing. Why not? Because his accent keeps me Oh, yeah. We love that accent. Yeah. Here, here's the thing. With the kids, the way that they wake me up all night long and the quality of the sleep that I get and as early as I wake up, I can literally fall asleep no matter what is going on. We you just be- told me you fell asleep sitting up. And- I, I did. I recently <laughs> fell asleep sitting up putting my shoes on. That's how tired I was. Uh, so I can fall asleep at any point now, no matter how engaging what's on is on. But I found that even if I'm really tired, 
and I'm sitting, so I, I, this really underscores what Bruce says. If I, even if I'm really tired and I'm sitting on the couch watching TV and I realize, okay, it's time to go to bed. I turn the TV off and I go and I get into bed and I check my phone one last time before I go to bed. If, there, if there's a thing on my phone that I really need to respond to or that I'm really interested in, all of a sudden I'm up for another hour. Oh, you could always just respond in the morning to me. You, <laughs> but my, my point is that like, I, he's absolutely right. You, the, the key is to stay unengaged as you lead up to that yeah. sleep time in order to actually fall asleep quickly. Okay, so in a moment, we're going to talk about um, uh, concussions and kids' brains with uh, Dr. Daniel Amen, who is amazing. He's a psychiatrist and a, and, a, and a brain specialist. Before we do that, I want to put one more button on this thing about uh, gadgets in the bedroom because we just recently on our, our programs, uh, on the terrestrial radio programs, we've had some, uh, some data come in about what happens to teenagers especially when you, le- when you let them have their, their phone, I mean, there's been met- lots of data on this, even when Prima was growing up and she's now 22, but when you ha- let them have their electronic gadgets in their room with mm-hmm. them, is it, is it they're finding, because now they've tested this, that they stay up like sometimes till two o'clock in the morning, right? And just because every time a text comes in or, or whatever you have your alerts said to, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Facebook or, or, or Spin Chat, what's that thing called? Uh, Snapchat. Snapchat. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever that stuff comes in, and it, and it and it wakes them up. So the recommendation is to have them charge to charge their phones in in, in a common station in your room. Yeah, well, they have that FOMO. You know, they don't want to fear of missing out. <laughs> I love it. Missing. They've got that FOMO. <laughs> that you just FOMO learned a thing. you learned a new word, didn't you? I love it. I mean, <laughs> got spin they chat are going, not yeah. going to miss out. Yeah, and so what what's happening though is that you you can just take this to its logical conclusion is that seven six when do you get your license now? Well, it's different in every state, but let's say anywhere between you know sixteen and eighteen. Well, fifteen in Missouri or something, yeah. right? Yeah, so so sixteen and eighteen, you get your you get your license. So these kids are getting in a car. Right, and they've that had exhausted. Four, and they've had four hours of sleep. The other thing is, is that melatonin, the hormones are different in teenagers. Yeah. They're they not matured yet, so they don't actually wait. We've seen that the that melatonin the, doesn't kick in until later, and exactly. so they still have yeah. it surging so they when they're behind the they wheel. They are asleep, and so we're putting these kids, and then you know, and then of course they're in class, they're not learning anything because the classes are too early. That's another. another Some schools have actually started their school their their start time later. later. They made it nine thirty or right. ten, taking into consideration that yeah. it's a different they, system. They all should. So again, as I mentioned, speaking of kids, uh, let's transition to our next guest who is, uh, gosh, this guy has had maybe five or six amazing PBS specials. He's a psychiatrist and brain imaging specialist, and he's been on Connie's show uh, several times, Dr. Dr. Daniel Amen. Yeah, and he talks about how um, teenagers are suffering concussions and uh, you know, playing sports, and he's really, really strongly opinionated about young girls not Playing soccer and that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know our lovely daughter-in-law. She spent her life playing soccer, major champion. Before in you tell my wife and my kids about this, um, her playing soccer made her college a lot cheaper. Right, and so <laughs> so you, if you tell my kids not to play soccer, <laughs> you might be costing me a lot of money. Well, so now I'm 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 just assuming I'm stating the obvious, right? It's from heading the balls, right? Yes. Yeah. Saying. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Because there are a fair amount of collisions. I've I played soccer. A fair amount yeah. of collisions in air, in midair. Yeah. It's a little but. different. It's not as bad in the girls' game as it is in the guys' game. But right. yeah, there are definitely some collisions. There's definitely some headbutts. Well, I've been to but some of your wife's games. But it's the it's the it's the consistent heading of the ball where the really pro- the the problem is. And and uh, and they say that with the NFL players, the NFL players who have CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Um, that they are that that's not just from them playing in the NFL. It's from all of their years with subconcussive blows 
uh, as you know, playing Pee Wee and Pop Warner football, high school, junior high, college, yeah. all of it starts to add up. But, um, so let's hear what let's hear what Eamon well, has just, to say. Just think of your brain, your soft tissue brain being knocked up constantly against your skull, your uh, hard skull. And I you. have suffered three concussions, and they were that's because you're a middle child. That's because he just ran into things for, for never potential. my fault. Yes, but oh my gosh, just think of it. And he talks about the um, um, the the women's brains, little girls' brains being different than little boys. Let's listen. Let's listen. Well, and and and, and right before I roll this, I I couldn't believe the stat: twenty percent of teenagers will suffer a concussion even if they don't play sports. It's incredible. One in so, five. So Connie asked Doctor uh, Amen. Uh, what all of us parents and grandparents need to know. Kids should not play contact sports. There you go. Your brain is really soft. Your skull is really hard. It has many sharp, mm. bony ridges. And contact sports can increase the risk of concussions and brain damage. And even if people never have a concussion, they get what we call repetitive subconcussive blows, which means you still can have trouble. Little girls, 90% of their IQ is in the front part of their wow. brain. For boys, it's more widely distributed. Little girls should not be hitting soccer balls with their head. Wow. Table tennis, really good. <laughs> tennis, good. Golf, contact sports should be. I love the way he says that. With, Table with, with, tennis. I love the way he says that with such authority. Now, okay. Okay. I have an alternative table if you, tennis. You may, you may not be able to get a scholarship playing soccer uh, for college, but there's always table, table tennis in the dorms. Listen, <laughs> listen, listen. Title IX is still in force, right? Yeah, so okay. they're going to have to come up with women's table so, tennis? So, yeah, no, but women, but rowing, I mean, if you, if you want, we did a piece Crew recently. Is great. Crew is Crew, great. If you want to, if, if you want to get your, your daughter to get a, a scholarship, it's, you know, crew, and there's a couple of other ones, you know, I'm not sure if they give them for, for badminton, but uh, boy, oh boy. Oh, well, you know, for, don't forget it. Our we, daughter we, got one for dance. We yes, make, We make fun, but table tennis is an Olympic sport, and the way they That's play right. it is amazing. And and you could also do regular tennis, like just normal, you know, Andre Agassi tennis. And that's that's, that's just it. not as funny as table tennis. <laughs> no, it's not. So most importantly, Connie uh, followed up with a question of uh, of you know wanting to know the long term consequences of contact sports. Again, this is brain expert Dr. Daniel Amen. So long term consequences of traumatic brain injury. There are a number of scientific studies say it's highly associated with depression, suicide, panic attacks, learning problems, homelessness alcohol and drug abuse. One study from Toronto, 58% of the homeless men had a significant brain injury before they were homeless. 42% of the women. Your brain controls everything you do. If you hurt it, it can have a very negative impact on your life. Wow. I mean, he makes a, he's scary. I, At least, he, yeah. I, his point basically is, you have one brain. You know, why why risk it by playing contact sports? Because it will it'll affect your whole life. You think, oh, I'm 18. I'll play a little bit of soccer. I'll be fine. Then all of a sudden, you have a concussion, and over the next 40 years, you're never quite the same, and your brain starts to deteriorate faster than the rest of your body. Right, and yeah. you never think about taking care of it, but you do have to take care of it. You know, once you start losing it, it's too late to go backwards. I, although I have to say this, okay, this is going to be a little controversial, but I would rather lose my mind in a healthy body than have a healthy mind in a, in a dying body. Oh, you're going in a hold. I, I know. I'm just saying, I know it's a, it's a weird thing to think about, but it's like, I would, I would hate to feel trapped like, uh, like, like uh, Stephen Hawking. That wouldn't, that doesn't yeah. appeal to me. Yeah. I'd rather be a little bit crazy. Hmm. Well, you, you got a good start. <laughs> I know.
Yeah. And uh, by the way, one, one of my, my favorite, the book that we're always quoting of Dr. Daniel Amons, and we, we, we so appreciate him being on the show, is Change Your Brain, Change Your Life. This, it's a New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestseller over and over and over again. And I uh, love that interview that, uh, that you did. And, and let's, let's talk about um, the, the adult brain, because right now, um, Connie uh, is, uh, is dealing with, uh, your mom has, 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 does not have Alzheimer's, she has dementia. Yes, correct. But yeah. you know, it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck. It's a duck. It's the same. Um, but she knows symptoms. who. But she knows who you are. Yeah, she knows but, who I am. But okay. So, but what she has is vascular dementia, meaning okay. she um, had some problems getting oxygen and healthy uh, flow of blood to certain parts of her brain, and that eventually caused her to um, seem like she has Alzheimer's. But it's not actually the progressive disease of Alzheimer's. Yeah, and, and she doesn't she doesn't get as disoriented as as people with progressive Alzheimer's have. Uh, yeah, she but she has multiple problems right now. Challenge of having a a, a, a stroke that took her speech away. But in, in talking to what you said, Gib, our prayer for Grandma, it, we don't pray that she will walk again because she's in a wheelchair. We pray that she will get her speech back mm-hmm. because that's where we feel. For her, the frustration is the yeah. trapped brain. Yeah. It is yeah. not her frustration of not being able to walk. Yeah. I see it in her yeah. eyes, and yeah. that's why I made the comment yeah. I made before. Yeah. I see right. in her eyes this yeah. this feeling, this frustration that she can't get the words out that the that her brain is forming the thoughts for, and it drives her nuts. Yes. It drives her nuts. I yeah. see the I see the intensity in her face when that happens. Well, you guys are making the point that uh, also came out of research from the University of Texas not long ago. So women are more afraid now, according to this study, of thousands of women, more afraid of getting Alzheimer's disease than cancer. Um, and Dr. Amen says there's good reason because right now more than 5 million people have Alzheimer's in just the United States, and the number is expected to explode in the coming years as baby boomers, people like me and Khan, become uh, senior citizens. So uh, Connie asked Dr. Amen if there have been any advancements at this point in Alzheimer's prevention, because we're always talking about the games and we're talking about what, you know, what foods and things like that. Here's Dr. Amen. So when I lecture, I often ask people, so how many of you want to live until you're 85 or beyond? And almost everybody raises their hand. Did you know that 50% of people 85 and older will be diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease or some form of dementia? You should be worried about it. And how you decrease your risk for Alzheimer's disease is you decrease all of the risk factors associated with it. So, for example, alcoholism is associated with Alzheimer's disease, head injuries, heart disease, hypertension, diabetes, depression, having untreated ADD, low testosterone, low thyroid. All of those things have been associated, and all of them are preventable illnesses. So if you know what are the things that increase your risk for it, then through lifestyle interventions and some simple medical interventions, you can dramatically decrease your risk. And the reason this is so important is Alzheimer's disease actually starts in your brain 30 to 50 years before you have any symptoms. So those of you who are waiting until you're 60 or 70 and your memory's no good before you actually start getting healthy, guess what? You're not going to have the mental horsepower then to get healthy. Now is the time, whether you're 20, 25, 30, 40, 50, because, you know, having memory problems when you're 50 is not normal. It's the sign that your brain is in trouble. 
I, I hate this guy. No, you love. <laughs> I mean, him. I love him, but I, I just, I, I really love a guy who's just so straightforward and has yeah. the fear yeah. of the fear of God. What, 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 what were you saying? You told me what? what were you saying? You, you, were, you were whispering. I told you. I told you. We're talking about the testosterone. Yes. Yeah, because uh, because as part of my um, cancer treatment now, uh, it, it is they've given me these shots in my stomach where um, they're taking the, they're taking the testosterone out of my body. They're causing my body to stop pr- producing testosterone to prepare um, the cancer cells for treatment to prepare to prepare prepare for chemo so that the cancer cells become become weaker. Now I understand. <laughs> now now my brain's gonna go. This is well, terrible. But you th- this is for a prescribed period of time and, and your, your hormones are supposed Very to go low back. Dose, yeah. the, the the sustained low testosterone he's talking about is different than what you're experiencing for right, sure. Right. Yeah. Um, I see you guys giving the knowing looks <laughs> when I keep repeating myself. I see the knowing looks. But but uh, but but he you know he makes such a great point. I think basically what what he is advocating for with the lack of context was everybody should run cross country oh, because yeah. you're, uh, it's yeah. going to keep you it's going to keep you from being hypertensive because you're going to have really great cardiovascular health. Um, it's not a contact sport, so you're going to protect your brain, and uh, and that's basically a recipe. And you can't well except for Steve Prefontaine, it's really hard to be an alcoholic and run that much. So it's a win win. And he says to be careful with your blood sugar. You know. Yeah, gosh, I mean, we, you know, it's it's one of those things like when you. When you discover something and you want everybody to know about it, that's where, that's where Gabe and Connie and I are, are right now with this, uh, this low-glucose glu- diet. It's not one of those, okay, don't eat any carbs, just eat, uh, just eat protein. It's, it's more complicated than that. If you, have some, if you have questions about it or if you'd like us to do another full podcast with a couple of doctors, I mean, Dr. Gundry is great. We, there are plenty of people out there. Yeah. Dom D'Agostino is an amazing, amazing scientist. Ricola. Um, oh gosh, Dr. Mercola. Yeah, we have. You've had him on your show too. Well, uh, the thing is, Gib and I decided that we were going to do this to support John, right? And so that he wasn't on this by himself. That I wasn't cooking two meals. But um, yeah. we have really felt amazing on it. Now we're addicted to eating this way, um, and hopefully, oh, yeah. it, hopefully, it'll last a lifetime because it right. the benefits uh, of eating this way far outweigh. The difficulty yes. of eating this way, and and you know to, to the point again, this the, the whole point of this diet is you you change the way that your cells find energy. They they no longer get energy from sugar, and your your body is able to get rid of almost all of your blood sugar. That's that's the bottom line. For those yeah. of you guys who don't know yeah. what the ketogenic diet is, you can read more about it. We can talk more about it, but that's that's the bottom line, and that actually helps with all of these blood sugar and insulin surges that we get when we eat a high high carb or better known as a Western diet. So the traditional uh, diet from from Europe and the United States that has a lot of carbohydrates in it. That diet causes these surges and that insulin and that sugar spike hurts the brain. That's Eamon's point. That's why blood keeping blood sugar uh, even is such an important part in your in your brain health. It affects all kinds of parts of your body and that's just one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, we were talking earlier with um, uh, Dan Butner who wrote the the Blue Zones about the, you know the commonality of people who live 100 years or more and it's it's a sense of purpose, and and I have to say that I, I felt it when we were just talking about about having all these great scientists and doctors and, and psychiatrists. Is that the purpose of this podcast is not is not to goof around? It's it's really to provide you with information from high level MDs and, and PhDs and nutritionists, so that you can not only add years to your life, but during those years of life, you can have a you can feel just remarkable. And and you know I've I've just I'm getting five hours of sleep. 
and I feel tremendous. And they're still giving me shots in my stomach from chemo and well, stuff like point, that. What's the point of living longer if your brain doesn't work right. and you've got no reason right. to get out of bed in the morning? Right. Right. Who, right. Who, who cares? Yeah. Oh, congratulations. Right. You lived to 120, but you didn't do anything. You're not getting five hours of sleep every night. But no. Last no, night no. you got five yeah, hours of sleep yeah, yeah, and you yeah. feel good today. I do. I do. And part of it is that, listen, if you're going to do the ketogenic diet, um, you you could have to have somebody have to have Connie come over your house because it's really difficult to stay to stay on it. One of these some macadamia nuts in color. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. And I, I want to thank you, Con, for uh, for uh, letting us have these um these great uh, interviews to, to listen to again because they're just they're so they time awesome. they're timeless. Yes. They're yeah. really timeless. And and thanks, Gib, for producing this uh, this episode. If you want to reach us, uh, Connie's uh, Twitter account is at Connie Selica. Uh, and it's C O. <laughs> it says S E L L E C C A. Don't drop any of the C's or the L's. I'm uh, I'm at John Tesh, and then you've got at uh, at Gib Gerard. Uh, please do us a favor because we would love to continue doing this, and and uh, and I really like this 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 healing um, uh, special. I'd like to continue doing that because you have a lot of great people that have been I've got on, on your show. More. Yeah, we should do another one. Yeah, and so go to iTunes if you would, and and make sure you subscribe and uh, send it. You know, send it to a friend. Too. Tell, you, tell your friends. Tell your wife, tell your kids, listen to Intelligence for Life, the podcast, and rate, comment, and subscribe. And we'll make sure we keep you alive and inspired. Thanks again for joining us.